all about uh, how important it is to to for this this uh, knowing what to do year that's coming up. We're we're fixing to have a whole year that we know what to do. I know what to do. Now that ought to excite you, because it's not like oh I wanted a year where he gave more power. Sorry, he already gave it all. Well, I want a year where there's more wisdom. Well, that's already been dispensed in full too. Well, how about the healing anointing or all these things? He, he, so I'm, you're going to know what to do. So that puts a responsibility on us to, you know, to wind up our little antenna and, and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I remember when we first moved to Alabama, we did not know what to do. It took everything we had and more, broke a lot of hearts for us to get to move to Alabama. Got here and didn't know what to do. We had no money. We had no job. We had no income. We didn't know anybody. I'm telling you, it was, it was, it was the strangest thing I've ever been in. But we were happy as we could be. It didn't matter. God was going to open up a door and we were going to do it. And then, uh, then the word of the Lord came to us. And I'm just telling you this because it just so settled my life. He said, I want you to move to Tuscaloosa, plant your family there, and stay the rest of your days. And it's just like, if you believe it's from heaven, you got your whole life mapped out. You can move to this side of Tuscaloosa or that side, but you're going to move to Tuscaloosa and you're, gonna, you're going to uh, plant your family there and stay the rest of your days. That's the kind of word that we're all looking for in this new year. And you don't have to wait until January 1. You can get it before that and just hit the new year running. Uh, you, you might say, I don't need a word like that. Every one of us needs a word, a particular word about something in our life that's not tied off, that has options, that has things that could go more than one way. We need to know that, and we need to know it in such a way that it settles us. See, so I've been here 20, that was 96. Uh, we moved here in 97, we moved to Tuscaloosa in 97. So what would that be? That would be 25 years. And it's just never, there's never been a thought about leaving or giving up or quitting or, or a new plan. I'm telling you, it just, it just poured concrete around us and it all set up and here we are. Well, most of you have something like that or maybe you just don't have any options. Maybe it's just a career thing that says, why would I leave this? Or a house or a family thing. It doesn't matter. There's other areas that you know that you would like to have some clarity on and that it would settle you, it'd get you off high center to do what we're all called to do. If, if we believe we're in the last days, it's, it is time to giddy up. So uh, I watched a military movie the other night that confirmed how my folks in the military got their orders, and this, this, uh, this uh, person got their orders and they had to negotiate a bunch of stuff, but it was non-negotiable. If, if you didn't get a general to sign off on it, well, then that's, that's how it was going to be. It didn't matter if you had to leave your family, you had to leave your little kids. It didn't matter. And so I wrote down everyone that's in the squad has an assignment or they're, or they're not really in the unit. So every one of us are in the squad, so to speak. We're in the family, and we all have an assignment. And so you may need, I, I don't know, you may need clarity on your assignment of what's next. 
Uh, it may be that you don't think you have any options, but if we really ask the Lord, what do you really want me to do with my one and only life? He might tell you some things that you didn't think were even on the table. They were just in the secular sphere, but he might say, I want you to do this and go go be an evangelist or be a missionary or go to Uganda or something like that. And you're like, Lord, I wasn't really asking about that. But we, you know, there'll be grace for it. Uh, and then uh, nobody ever made a general, became a general, that didn't prove himself as a sergeant. So we're all overqualifying in our present position in order to get a, re a promotion. Is that right? We're all overqualifying. In other words, you don't, we're not getting comfortable in sl just slogging around and just barely doing it, not doing a good job. We're overqualifying where we are. And the Lord said, that's who's going to go next. Uh, so every promotion comes when you overqualify where you are. So I want to. If you be willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. It says in, uh, is that Jeremiah? Be willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's turn in the word to Hebrews, if you would, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Amen. It says in verse 1 of Hebrews 11, we'll read the whole verse, but then we're going to cut out some stuff that's explanatory. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And we could dissect that and look at every part of it. But, but really, when you take it apart, what it says is faith is the substance of things. Faith is the substance of things. Faith is a substance. What's the substance? It's things. It's, faith is an intangible, but it's a substance of something that's tangible. A substance of things. And then it goes on and says it's of things that are not seen. Things can be seen. Things can be unseen. But they're still things. And so the word's saying here that if you want to be in a spiritual realm, which we are, whether we want to be or not, we choose to operate there as much as we can. He said faith is the substance of things not seen. And then the rest of the chapter goes in there and it gives you all the benefits of living by faith and why it's a good thing, and it, that it's peculiar to people that are born again. It's peculiar to us. This is not an option for, for the sinner, the unsaved, the whatever. they got to take what they can get and do what they can and, and just hope it turns out. But we don't. We're in another realm. They can be any time, but we are. So uh, I wrote down, what is seen in the unseen realm... What is seen in the unseen realm is proof to things not seen. So how do you see in the unseen realm? Well, you don't obviously use your eyeballs. There's seeing that's down inside that would be something inside, like a dream or a, uh, an image. You would see things. You would know what their form was, the color, the posture, the, the words that were spoken. But you couldn't tell anybody, come look at what I found, look at what I've seen. Because it's unseen, even though you've seen it. So what is seen inside, we would call it an image. 
there's a lot of other words you can do. I looked up in the thesaurus, and it's about this long, all the words that you can call it. But an image is a good word for us. And uh, the, the image in us can only be described, since we can't take a picture of it or, or take a screenshot of it, it's defined by words. If I was going to tell you what I saw, what I dreamed last night, or you told me, here's, here's what I dreamed one day, well, then you would start using a lot of adjectives, a lot of words, and you would give me detail, and I would come, be able to come close to seeing what is unseen that you saw. And this is how we operate. The reason it's in the faith realm is because it's contrary to the natural man. The natural man can't do this because we don't want to give him dynamite. We don't want to give him something to blow something up. So they don't even, they don't even get it. They're just in the scene realm. And then uh, Dr. Cole, I, I, I like him because he dealt with principles. And he said most, the most powerful thing that can be done in life is to create an image. So if you're raising children, it's not necessarily the most important thing in life to make sure they get their vitamins or make sure they get their, uh, their checkup or their shots or whatever thing. All important. But the most important thing, according to this principle, is that you and I put an image in that child, that son or daughter. We put an image in them that they can see and that they will live off of when we're not there to enforce oversight. That's what's happened to you and me. Why do we not do what the heathen do or what the, the, uh, the rioters or the, uh, the anarchists or the re rebels or whatever? Why, why do we not condone that? Well, it's not because we have some sort of different locale or that we're in this place. It's because we have an image in us that's contrary to that. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to break the law. We don't want to. It's just in us. It's not been taught. Don't, son, don't murder anybody. Don't steal. Those things were never said, likely, but they were imparted in an image that we don't do stuff like that. And we just embody that in our image. And then Dr. Cole said the next most important thing that, that we can do is to destroy an image. So you can destroy the image of someone that you're raising, a child or your husband. A wife can destroy an image in him by just refusing, just saying, I'm not, I'm not going down that road. I'm not going to do what you think you're supposed to do. If, if, I, I don't care if you have another job in another city. I'm not moving. I... Or, or whatever, and destroys that image or it becomes a conflict. The, the image becomes a conflict because everybody sees what they want to do and what they want to have. So uh, what I've been intrigued with is religion. How religion's job, if, if religion, if the devil, if the devil was going to destroy the spiritual kingdom of, of the Lord, he would go about it by the most important thing he could do, which is to destroy an image. Whom the Son is set free is free indeed. So he would try to give us an image of bondage or of captivity or hopelessness or no answer. And I think religion's done a pretty good job at that. If you, if you look at their beliefs, it's not just what they don't believe, that they're, even, they're either creating an image of a weak Christian that God's in control and nothing you can do about it and it's hopeless and or they're destroying an image that I'm the righteousness of God in him. 
So that, that, that's what's really happening behind the scenes. It's not just political propaganda or spiritual propaganda. It's working on our image because we cannot go or we will not exceed the image of who we are inside. It doesn't matter what kind of promotion you get. It doesn't matter if you win the lottery. That's a good example. You win the lottery like, here, I got $500,000. But there's no corresponding image inside of being able to handle that. So the image inside is, is let's have a party and let's invite all our kin folks and all our friends. And, and uh, in three years, that image is no longer because it never was there. And so you and I have been incrementally working things in and working things out to create an image inside that says it doesn't matter what happens. I'll always prosper. I'll always have my needs met. It'll never happen that we will be poor, that we will be without. It just it doesn't matter. The circumstances of the world are irrelevant to my future because my future is in here. And so that's what we do. Every service we come together, every time you go to your word, we paint that thing. We, we put another coat on that thing that says, my God supplies all my needs and by his stripes I was healed. And, and it is the image inside and, and the devil... He can't, he can't touch it. He'll grind on it a little bit and he'll bring contrary things, but once that image is established, like move your family to Tuscaloosa, plant your family there, and stay there all the days of your life, there's no negotiation for me personally with that. And these things that are in the Word that we go over over and over and over and look at them from all sorts of different perspectives. So it's not just a, a one-horse Harry that, uh, that we're trying to build a doctrine on. We become convinced. We, what the word calls, persuaded. The image in us is, is dimensional. It's, it's, there's no weakness to it. For instance, we know that we're born again. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Well, we've looked at that from every perspective. And so when somebody says, I'm going to put a gun to your head renouncing, we, we just can't do it. Because the image is in control. Whatever's inside is controlling our life, keeping our life, preserving our life, and succeeding our life. But if you have a wrong image, because we had a, a father or a mother that when we were young said, you'll never amount to anything, or a grandparent or somebody in authority, well, then we spend all of our life working on that image. You know, if somebody comes out of the room and says to you, John is a really bad person. Really bad. I, you know, if only you knew how bad John was. So then 99 other people during the week say, man, that John's fine. That's good. It takes 99 or so people to, to change the first impression that we got when we heard that. And it set us. It, in other words, it planted an image in us. And everything else is trying to chip away at that image. But that is the image inside. John is a bad dude and he will... He'll take you out. So it's really important that we preserve our first impressions, that they are righteous. Some of us didn't have that. I was raised in the denomination, but it didn't impact me that much. That just said things that are contrary to the word. Did you? Absolutely. Unless you came out of the world, which would be better. So religion has denied the word of God image of the new creation.
That's where this is all lodged. It's the new creation or the new man. Trying to make us not righteous. Trying to make us according to our sins. You're bad because you did bad things. You thought bad things. And trying to paint us with that sin consciousness. And always keep that image not able to come out and get the victory. Coping, surviving, just doing the best you can. Religion does that. Religion does that. It's always, and, and it's nobody that's in charge. It's just that is the image they have. And so they're passing along to you and I, family or church or friends or whatever. They pass along that image and they'll say God's in control. And that's not so terrible. It doesn't sound except that when bad things happen and they do. Well, then what do you do with God's in control? Well, here's my daughter in a casket. And God's in control. You're going to tell me that? Well, all of a sudden, the image that's in me that I'm trying to believe God is good and good all the time, suddenly, like Curry Blake, he's got a daughter in a casket with no explanation, no, no contrary image to straighten him out. But he fought for it, didn't he? Praise God he did. We're all recipients of what Brother Hagin did, Kenneth Copeland did, Charles Capps, Bob Yandian. We're all recipients of things where they fought to keep the image straight in them and then would write that down. E.W. Kenyon, write that down. John G. Lake, write that down for us to change the image inside of us. Because we actually, if it hadn't been for people like that in my life, I would have been adrift. I would have just been a good Baptist boy, and that's what they knew is what I would know, and that'd be the end of it. I would be what they were because that was the image they were imparting. But I, I got a hold of Charles Capps, and he, he, he started saying things that, that I wasn't hearing anywhere else. Then on a much later date than that, Pastor Buzzy came into our lives, and he was a sight. I'm telling you, he was a sight. I could go into that and it'd be funny, but we would just say he was a sight. But Debbie and I would look at each other and say, what if this was true? That's, it was so beyond what we could. And, and Brother Hagen talked about Zoe and, and, and uh, that, but this was a whole new life. The man that you are has never sinned. And we're like, you know, we were just swimming there because the image inside of us was bucking that, even though we were spirit-filled and word of faith and all of that sort of thing. So uh, we started getting an image inside of us that said that uh, it was an image of God that was not responsible for the curse, that the devil did what he did, not God. And so that made going to funerals hard because you listen to those yahoos up there that have this other image and they, they just start spilling out stuff to comfort the family. But after the family's comforted, so-called that day, they go home with this impression. Well, this is who God is. You just, you just never know what God's going to do. You just never know what's going to happen. And he's, it's, it's the greater good. He's doing it for the whole kingdom. And and quit whining that you had a personal loss. The kingdom is advanced because of your baby that is gone or whatever. So what you're fighting for, what I'm fighting for, is an image inside. And you can't get it all in one day. 
You know, you just can't say, well, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and dismiss years of another image. It's in there too, isn't it? It's in there. But we're hungry for a new image because we don't like the repercussions of that image. So this image of religion, this image of the curse, this image that sin is dominating you, you, you don't know what's going to happen because you got sin in your life and you're hopeless and helpless to get anything done about it, it, it has to be redefined. And that's what we're all doing. You may think, well, I'm just reading my scriptures. And it's good to read your scriptures, but you can read your scriptures without redefining the image inside. If you don't stop and just say, what did this just say? What does this mean to who I am and what I can do and what I can have? then you'll just go past it and you'll be as religious as if you didn't read anything. Turn with me to, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Sometimes I think it helps to just find out why we're doing what we're doing. It says in verse 17, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we looked at it extensively Sunday. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. So it says, if any man be in Christ. So right there is a defining moment to tell us what, what, who, and how any man be in Christ. In other words, it's what follows that that's going to define you and me. Because I'm in Christ. We're in Christ. So it said, if any man, any man, good, bad, diff, indifferent, be in Christ... He is. He is. What is he? Well, religion does not believe, even though their Bibles say this, they do not believe truly. Well, they believe that we're a new creation, but they, that has a different image than what you and I might have about a new creation. It, to them, it may mean you're going to heaven. You've got some special clothes and you've got some special passes and you're going to go to heaven at the end of your life. And that's what you couldn't do before. Uh, but it's saying who we are. If, if any man be in Christ, he is a, what is he? He's a new creation. Well, then we have to get an, uh, an image of the new creation. And this is where religion has redefined a word that's somewhat ambiguous or multifaceted, a new creature, a new creation. And then they say old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so it's kind of like a political party trying to cover their tracks for something that's nefarious and against the people, very self-serving. It's like, no, it can't be, it can't be what you say it is. Remember that scripture we read Sunday morning about in Psalm 8, where it says, uh, what are you that you are mi uh, mindful of man? What are, who, are, who are you that you're mindful of us? And then it says, who is made a little lower than the angels? Well, we know right there the word for angels is Elohim. Wow. I mean, that's a big word in the Bible. Elohim is like L-O-R-D. It's in the beginning. Elohim created. So it's not. It says you made him a little lower than Elohim. But the, the King James couldn't stand it. They couldn't. Those translators in 1611 couldn't stand it, so they put angels. Well, the word for angels is far from different than, than Elohim. For sure. So it's not true. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's not true. It's a lie. But it was religion that was taking over that. 
But if you look in other translations, they own up to it and says, we don't get it. We don't know how this works, but it's a little lower than God. Well, that's the truth. We were made in God's class. What a difference. And that's in Old Testament. And then all sorts of things are, are in the New Covenant. So here's the point. The point of all that we're, we're talking about is that it doesn't matter what the Word says. It matters what you say about what the Word says. Because we can take any subject, healing, prosperity, sin, and we can make a case by cherry-picking, so to speak, scriptures and taking them out of context. We can make a case against everything that you call holy and precious to your life. We can make a case. But to be honest, we can't. To be honest, we have to leave everything in context and leave, read three verses before and after every verse. And, and uh, then the truth comes out. Turn with me to Matthew 16. Now, I, I got I to get this done. Sometimes I get up here and I get wound up in the foundation and then we don't make the point because I'm out of time and it's like, what, what's he talking about? Well, that's it right there. But look at what it says here in, uh, in chapter 16 of Matthew, verse 13. Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, or however you say that, and he asked his disciples, saying, and this is a strange question, but he said, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am. <laughs> I'm Michael, who do you say that I am? <laughs> and they said, some say, thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Then in verse 15, he said, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And that's the clutch to everything about the image inside of us. Whom do men say I, the Son of Man, am? Who do you say that I am? So it's, it's uh, if you're, you're in this church or another church or no church, you have a Bible, it's all the same. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you think the Bible said, it's what you think the Bible says. Is that right? It's what I think the Bible says. I can make healing passed away. I can make a case for healing passed away. I can make a case for poverty. I mean, it's sketchy, and once you know the truth... It's real hard. But if you didn't know the truth and you were just somebody throwed you a scripture and said, this is why we believe this. And you read that one scripture, you'd go, oh, yeah, I see it. So it doesn't matter what the word says. It matters what we say about it. Now turn with me to Mark chapter 11. Now in Mark 11, 23, we, we all know this one and we love it. The Lord Jesus is talking. He said, verily, I say unto thee that whosoever shall say. So it's a whosoever. This isn't some elite bunch. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which, here it is, he saith. That's contrary to religion that says, well, it's whatever God saith. But here he's saying the mountain's going to stay right where it is until you believe that whatever things you saith shall come to pass because... He said, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Oh, that's, that's a whole different, that's a whole nother realm there. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Do you believe what these other guys say or do you believe what I've told you? Who do you say that I am? In 2 Corinthians 
Let's put some fingerprints on these pages. Hallelujah. Just tie it all together. Just let's keep it in context. Let's keep it straight. There's a high penalty. The word says that teachers are held to a much higher judgment than folks that are just spitting whittle. So it's dangerous to play with the word of God for your own advantage or for some nefarious religious reason. So we're not. He said, uh, verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Why? For the things which are seen are temporal. The Amplified says brief and temporal, uh, brief and, and fleeting, excuse me. But the things which are not seen are eternal. So I looked at the word. It says, while we look not. So the word look does mean to see in some verses, but this word is also translated to take aim. So while we, so while we take aim not at the things which are seen, so I'm not aiming at them. They, they may be in the peripheral, but I'm not aiming at the things which are seen. Could I have a better amen? We're not aiming at the things which are seen, even though they are everywhere. Our eyes are open. We see them. We, we parcel them out in our head. We reason them out with our experience, with our intellect, uh, with, uh, with, with a, a kind of wisdom that, that puts things in their place uh, and we see things. But he said it means to consider and compare. So let's put that in. While we, we consider not the things which are seen. So he's telling us that we're the things that are common, routine, and everyday, and a part of our everyday of our life, which is to look at things and see them. He said, you got to change that. You, you can't go far in the kingdom if that's what you look at, because that's what the world, that's what religion's looking at. And then he goes on and he said, uh, uh, compare at the things which are seen. And that word seen there means to, uh, to be regarded or heeded. So he says, the thing that everybody else is regarding and, and heeding and, and walking according to the mark of it, he said, we're not looking at that. We're not taking aim at the things that are routine, normal, every day. We're not doing it. Well, this is the word of God. So it might be good counsel. Who, who, who could say? Uh, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Well, and then we could go back to Hebrews 11.1, 1, where we just were, where he talked about the substance of things that are seen. Well, it's the same thing. We're looking at the things that are seen, the image. We're looking for the image inside. We're looking for the truth, the truth as we know it, the truth that we've been able to assemble. When you started out looking at the Bible, you got born again, or maybe some years later, you started reading the Bible, got interested in the things of the word. You started ingesting things and you started looking at them for yourself versus just having no Bible in hand, just going to church and the preacher just preached whatever he wanted to and everybody nodded or, or nodded off, you know, one of the two. So it made no difference. It had no impact in your life because you weren't looking at anything. So as they say in the in the lawyer room, it, without compelling evidence to overturn, we're going to let whatever's there stand. They do that on the football field, whatever they call it, unless there's not substantial evidence to overturn it. It's going to stand. 
And that's what's happened to us is we've been asleep at the wheel, all of us, religious people, that we were. And we just let whatever they said stand. So I went to this funeral a couple years ago or a year ago or something. And I was just I was just appalled. I was just I was smitten, so to speak, in my in my my faculties that what this preacher was saying that had transpired with this person that was in the casket, how God and how heaven had addressed it and why this had happened and the reasons that God could get away with it. It just floored me. It floored me. I realized there was a day that I would have said, yeah, whatever you say. That's what I would have said, whatever you say. But I'm not that person anymore, are you? We, we, we check everything now. It's like, are you telling me the truth? I want to be set free, and if I know the truth, that truth will set me free. But a lie will take me down to steal, kill, and destroy. And so I'm careful, because it took a long time to get everything in me that's right, I don't want to throw it out just because somebody comes by and says, this is the truth. And so uh, I kind of, I I don't go to many funerals, praise God. We've we've not had, I've been here 20, I've been in the ministry 42 years, and I haven't done eight funerals. And half of them were members' parents. They weren't even my members. and there's a story behind the four that I have done that, but anyway, I'm just saying, we live in life and not death. We're, we're living in life. And if you want to go to heaven, you can, you can do that any time, but it's going to be hard to get around me. <laughs> you, know, you may have to slip out the door and, and run down to somewhere else. Uh, the New Living says, so we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. We don't look at the troubles, the troubles, the troubles. Jesus said in the world, you'll have troubles. But we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone. Now that's powerful. For the things we see now have an expiration date on them. They cannot stay, stay, they cannot last, they cannot endure They have an expiration date. The things that we see now will soon be gone. So if we look up in the verse ahead, he said, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh in us for a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Our affliction worketh but for a moment. It's not the end of the world. It's not the, it doesn't define anything. You just got to outlast it. You just got to outlast it. I don't feel good. I'm going to die. No, you're not. Well, I lost all my money. I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do anything. No, you're not. Get a hold of yourself. This is a temporary. This is a light affliction that is temporary. And even if you did something that's a heavy affliction, you died. We're just going to believe you back. Always, always go to be with Jesus around one of us. We'll get you back. And we'll tell you what a tankhead you were for going. Amen. So uh, the antidote to this religious thing, this thing where the image, the image has been fogged. It's been obscured. We uh, we don't know who to listen to. We don't know who to trust. 
lots of preachers on TV. I can't recommend very many of them, you know, and you know what I'm, I'm talking about. You get, the antidote is Romans 12, too. Uh, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Say that with me, please. Transformed. Transformed. Renovated. I, I need to... I need to renovate my bathroom or my kitchen. Well, Ms. Smith, we're going to take the whole thing out. We're going to take the whole thing out. We'll leave, we'll leave the studs, we'll leave the roof. We'll leave the water lines, but this thing's going. Just, it'd be better if you didn't show up for three or four weeks. You might not can stand the process. Well, we've all been in the process. Like I told you, Pastor Buzzy, he came. And then after he came, then we found Curry Blake. It's like, wow, this is what we want to preach, but sometimes we don't know the end of the truth, so we can't carry it to the end, but we'll carry it as far as we can. And Carrie's been there, done that, like Brother Hagin had been there and done that. So we should listen to people that have been there and done that and have a good life and a prosperous life. So the, the, the faith image, the faith test, I should say, We'll quit with this. The faith test that's in you and me is what is the image that's inside? And if we got our, we say, well, how can I know what the image is inside? Dr. Cole says pressure magnifies. So when you get into a crisis or trouble, whatever, whatever's in us will get bigger. And whatever you talk about will get bigger. That's a known fact. So if you don't have money, the, they, they didn't give you the check or they didn't whatever, and you don't have any money, you go, what's the image inside? Well, we'll just stand by and listen just a little bit, and you'll tell us what the image is inside. We're all going to die. It's like the elevator that, that shakes and stops, and you, you'll have a group of the people in there, they'll say, we're all going to die. It's like, no, we're going to wait for the elevator guy, and he's going to... We're going to be late, but we're not going to die. And we've all had that happen, especially with disease and sickness. You have a, a, a doctor that's, that's covering his practice, as it were. And so he's, uh, he's, going, to, he's going to give you the worst case scenario. He's got to cover himself. He, he, he can't say it looks pretty good. But then when something goes the other way, it's like, you're responsible, doctor. You said it'd be pretty good. So they just say it doesn't look good, and then you're on your own to make up the difference. So pressure, a diagnosis or whatever, always reveals what's inside. It opens the glass door and says, look, here's what's inside. How will you, how will you know it? It'll be out of the abundance of the heart. Your mouth will speak. It'll what will it tell? It'll tell the image that's in control. It'll tell what has taken form. It'll tell whether you've been putting in junk or if you've been putting in life. It'll tell whether you've been excoriating things that are, that are curse and sin-laden and defeated and failure. It'll tell whether you've done that or not or whether you've let that just wander around and let the junk and the good stuff kind of cohabitate. And when pressure comes, we always go to the negative. So that's what's coming out. doesn't matter what you, oh, well, he was in class every day and he, he took a course and he would never miss church and whatever. Ah, but we didn't let some stuff out and dominate it, dominate it. So that's what we're going to do in the rest of this. We're going to dominate it. We're going to 
we're going to, we want to know where we are. Well, we're not going to ask you, where are you? And we're not going to put you in pressure or anything to find out. But we're going to just assume everybody needs a little dab up. We're going to assume everybody needs a dab up and that there's a process to know how to get a leg up. Because I don't want to be here next year right where I am today. I don't want to be here January 1 where I am today. I, it, I want to make progress. I want to change the image inside because I, now I realize that that image inside of me and inside of you is controlling everything. Where we say God's in control, <laughs> nope, this image inside, this, this picture of who we are. When, 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 we, uh, uh, when the word says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. And, and I was like, who believes that? What we would be raising our hand for is to say, I believe that's in the Bible. Oh, but what do you say? Who do you say that I am, the Lord Jesus said. And who does the mountain, who's it obeying? Well, God says you got to go. No, God doesn't say you have to go. I say you have to go. And if I don't say you got to go, guess what's staying? It's not moving an inch. Well, God wants it out of my way. He's, he's, he's uh, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Ah, but if you don't talk to the mountain and believe those things which you say shall come to pass and does not doubt in his heart, but believe it those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he saith or not saith. Because the mountain's right there. So if you, if you not saith, the mountain stays there. It doesn't matter how big God is. It doesn't matter how much he wants it out of your life. It doesn't matter how you prayed for God to move the thing, the trouble. It's going to be based on what you say. Well, you're going to say exactly what's inside. You may, you may mouth some words. I say like, like pastor says. I say move, you know. Oh, that, that probably is a strike. If you get two more, you're out. Right? So we got to, there's nothing you can do fast about it. There's nothing, I mean, you can get revelation, but, but it, it, it's got to integrate into the image, and it's a slow process. Now, we can go as fast as we want, and we should, and we are. I mean, I, we, got, we got this thing in giddy-up. I think we do. You may think we're dragging around, but uh, anyway, you can go as fast as you want to change the image. That means that you're watching videos that, that change the image. That means you're reading books that change the image. That means that when you come to church, you're listening. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. You're listening, understanding, believing that every service that we have, some part of it, some word is crafted way beyond my intellect and ability. Something is said by Holy Ghost to answer a question or to challenge you to go to another level. You can't leave here like you came with Holy Ghost. If you come in saying, I will leave changed, that's how it is. The mountain will hear you and say, we got to go. So what we're going to do, I think, I'm not sure yet, but what, what I was thinking is that we would, we would see, we would assess of ourselves how close the image mirrors the word of God. He became poor that we through his poverty might be made rich. Okay, what's that word rich mean? 
we've talked about it. It means financial gain. It means economic stuff. It's not spiritual riches. It's, you've got to look in the Greek. Religion says it's spiritual, but it's not. But we could take other scriptures and we could look at them and say, what about this? Uh, calling things that be not as though they were. That's kind of like we talked about uh, there, about uh, looking at things that are not seen. Oh, well, I'd rather see them. But we'll all say, by it's in the Word, and bless God, I believe the Word, and the Word's true, and it's true, and it's true for me, and it's true all the time, and I'm, I'm, it's true, and, and I, I, I like it, and it's true. And it's, it's real good, and it's true. It's like, but what do you say it is? That's where we're all living. But you can get in an atmosphere like this, or in front of Curry, or, or any number of, of faith teaching, and you can, you can take on their enthusiasm and their, their revelation, and you can say, that's true. But until you integrate it into this image that says it's true for me right now, it may not change. Like, what, what was it about? What did you listen to this morning, and what was it about? What pastor preach on Sunday? What, what, what series is he in? You see, we could be doing all about it and not be getting any of it or some degree, some gradient of that. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at it. We've got, uh, got a few more services in December, and I think I, I did. I stumbled onto this. I did not plan this and say, you know, a good thing would be to do this before the new year. I had already opened this up when the Lord started talking to me, and I just, <laughs> this is all new to me. This image thing is all new to me. It came from Dr. Cole's book when we read in the chapter, Video Daddy, and he said what I said he said. I quoted him. The most important thing you'll do is create an image, and the next important thing you'll do is to destroy an image. And the light came on. Aren't y'all glad when it comes on for you? The light comes on, and suddenly things that you've been walking around and patting around, all of a sudden, it's so good to see it. Amen. Okay, Barry.